Hello, this is Rafael Davidovich. Welcome to Nach Wednesdays, where we learn a chapter of Nevi'im. And today we are at Sefer Yehoshua, Perek Tes, which is the book of Joshua, chapter 9. I invite you all to take a look and read the chapter. It is quite an interesting one on many levels, and we'll be giving the summary over here. Remember what we are up to right now. Yehoshua has just defeated the city of Ai, which is their first non-miraculous victory, which shows that Yehoshua and Klal Yisrael, the Jewish people, are able and skilled to fight a war in what I would call Derech HaTeva terms, meaning using their own wiles and their own military strategy. This has the effect right now of frightening one of the tribes of Knanim that are known as the Givonim. They reside in the city of Givon and the neighboring towns as well. The Givonim realized that the way that Yehoshua and the Jewish people were going, that they would be wiped out. Now, according to uh, our Masorah tradition, Yehoshua sent letters before he even entered the land, giving anyone in the country an opportunity of surrendering. However, once Yehoshua entered the land, the command was to wipe out anyone who would go to war against them, and surrender seems not to have been a possibility anymore, which is why the Givonim now resorted to an interesting ruse. A group of them got dressed up in old, worn-out clothing, they got food that was stale and old and possibly moldy, but certainly uh, hardened food. And they approached Yoshua and the people and said, they claimed that they were a tribe that came from very far away. And they had heard all of the victories that God had fought for the Jewish people. And they were willing from far away to travel all the way to the land of Canaan and submit to become a subservient nation to Klal Yisrael, to the Jewish people. And it seems, obviously, from the story that Yeshua and the people believed these Givonim. They didn't ask for paperwork. And more importantly, what's mentioned here in uh, the text, is that they didn't consult with Hashem in whatever way they might have been able to consult with him, whether through Nevoah or whether by consulting the Kohen Gadol. So without consulting a higher authority, they went about signing a treaty, which means that they took an oath of mutual protection, that the Givonim would be a subservient tribe, associate members of Klal Yisrael, if you will, and the Jews w took an oath to protect them. A few days later, as the Jews continued to conquer their way through Eretz Canaan, they discovered these people in the city of Givon, and they realized that they had been had. They were extremely furious. There was a possible political shakeup that could have happened right then. And yet, Yehoshua made it clear that they had to remain faithful to their oath. There is a Mishnah. And a Gemara in Gitin that says that since the, the oath was made under false pretenses, they actually did not have to keep the oath according to the strict laws of 
oath-taking, it would not even have required a kol nidre or a hatars nidarim, since the whole oath was taken uh, under a lie. Yet, because this was an oath that was taken publicly, and there would have been a huge chilul Hashem, a desecration of God's name that would have resulted had they violated the oath and killed him anyway, meaning their word as a people, as a political entity, would never be taken seriously again. So Yeshua commanded them that they had to uh, be true to their oath, and these givonim became a form of, let's call it somewhere between an eved, servants, like slaves, and gerim, a status that doesn't really exist in the way that we understand halacha now, where you have a status called Evet Knani, and then you have another status called Gere Tzedek, or Ger Toshav, what they were exactly is not 100% clear. However, the Jews were bound by this oath to maintain the loyalty to them, and they undertook to be the wood choppers and water carriers for the Mishkan. And this is a task that they had for hundreds of years to come. And this is foreshadowing a point that will come up later, much later, where it seems that Shaul in some way might have violated this oath, the first king. Or whether he actually violated it, or whether they were collateral damage of his having wiped out the city of Nov, the city of Kohanim, that appears much later in Sefer Shmuel Aleph, remains to be seen, but we'll cover that then. But at this point, they were taken in. Yeshua is not happy with them. The Jews are not happy with the situation. But they become not-so-well-loved members of the wider community of Klal Yisrael. They are the community that later in the Mishnah are referred to as the Nisinim, or Nitinim, which are this group of Jews that had a status similar to that of Mamzerim. And it all originates here in chapter 9. So that even though right now we seem to be at a low point because it seems that the Jews have been tricked into accepting people and doing something they did not want to do. Yet this, in the future chapters, will end up being the uh, catalyst for many, many of their great victories in conquering the rest of the land. And lest you think that this was only something that happened with Yahushua, Rashi in Parshas Nitzavim says that there were such people who had joined the Jewish people even when Moshe and the Jews were in the desert, before they crossed the Yardin. The circumstances of these other people having joined is not clear. However, Rashi, quoting uh, our sages, says that when Moshe Rabbeinu refers to woodchoppers and water drawers in his last great speech to the Jewish people in Parshas Netzavim, Rashi says he was alluding to a similar group of people that existed back then who had also joined the Jewish people on condition that they take this task of uh, servicing the Mishkan. That's all for today, and Yehoshua chapter 9. Thank you.